0: A special episode of Socks in the Basement at the Red Palm 3020 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Island Attitude, Local Latitude. And we're going to kick off this show with a turtle race. The owner, Mike Nix, is about to grab a microphone. Dave is sick. He's throwing up someplace in his his condo or his uh, his house. And uh, my father has stepped in as my co-host, as he has done from time to time. So we're going to hear from him in a moment. But first, we've got Mike. He's going to step up. And he's going to announce a six. It's a six turtle race, right, Mike? You can talk into it. It's okay. We're recording. Six turtle race. Six turtle race. This is going to be the winner of the race. Uh, whoever's got the winner gets a t-shirt. A red palm turtle racing t-shirt. Of course, which is very valuable. But the loser gets a free beer. A free beer. All so right, you let's hang go to the loser. end. Okay. <laughs> last, last race. The first heat. One turtle did it right away, and the other turtle just sat on the red dot. So that's the, I wonder if that turtle's going to sit on the red dot all night tonight or if that turtle will move at some point. You're, oh. you're an expert at that. He'll will be this moving. turtle move? He'll be moving. Okay, all right. Very rarely the same turtle wins twice. Good, good. Well, they've they've juiced the turtles already, so we're going to turn it over to Mike, who's going to announce a turtle race here on Saks in the Basement.
1: All right, we're going to load the turtles from the paddock into the starting gate right now.
0: <laughs> they actually do put them in a paddock or... And over well, pretty good-sized turtles. The so, turtles are getting loaded. they're getting. Big loaded. Yeah, big getting they're, loaded. Big they're big turtles. Yeah. They're probably good eating if you're. Uh, On oh, uh, good yeah, turtle eating. Yeah. I mean, like when when they're done with them, they could probably make some turtle soup. Yeah.
1: So. All right, we're getting ready for the second race. This is a claiming race of five thousand dollars. If you have five thousand dollars and want to claim a turtle, hand me the cash and uh, the turtle is yours. <laughs> <laughs> All right, turtle number one, the Walk of Shame with Jen on board. Turtle number two, Mustang Sally with Mike. Turtle number three, Grease Lightning with Joni. Turtle number four, Murph and the Magic Tones with Bobby. Turtle number five, the Tasmanian Devil with Bridget. And turtle number six, bad to the bone with Stacy All right the turtles are loaded in the starting gate It looks like we're going to get a clean break here The more you cheer the faster they run Let's great. hear some cheering <laughs> Yeah <laughs> All right and they're off <laughs> And there goes off. number 6 charging there to the lead number two, 2 following right race. up it's two. It's oh, six. Oh, there's a winner it's right five. there. Look at that one no that guy's No pointing at man. the turtles. He's no pointing win. at the turtles. Now he's Four. Four, five, four, two. This is anybody's race. Four is driving. Oh, it's this is going to be a close one. It's four. It's this is going to be a close one. There's it's two of them going. Four. That guy won on four. the right. Is fair to throw that throw right. Throw that guy won on the right. That guy won on second. the right.
0: Came out of nowhere. Now, now you wait around for the turtle that comes in last.
1: And we're going to call this race as number three is our beer winner. Number three is our beer winner. So number
0: four. All right, there's Mike Nix. He's the owner of the Red Palm. We're going to jump right in now to Socks in the Basement. We're going to talk to Mike in just a little bit about the Red Palm and the island attitude and the local latitude here in Evergreen Park. They are the proud sponsor of this week's episode of Socks in the Basement. My father is sitting here with me. Dad comes on every once in a while. Whenever Dave can't make it, Dave's puking someplace. So uh, you, you get to step in for this big live thing at night. It's a beautiful night out here on the south side of Chicago. Uh, beautiful weather. Originally, they thought it was going to rain. It's perfect out there right now. Uh, if you drag the beer across the table, it's going to make a horrible noise. So don't do that. Just just lift the beer, Dad. Just just you know. Just That's a, what I've been doing I mean, my whole life. You've been just doing this for a long beers. time. I figure you should be able to handle this. All right, let's talk socks. I want to talk about the pitching a little bit this week because... We've been talking a lot about the position players, and I wanted to get your take on it because I'm sure you have some opinions on what we have currently going on on this team, and we haven't heard a lot from what you have. You're my old school guy, okay? And I'm getting accused now of being too old school because I'm saying things like, Juan Mancada belongs in the two spot like I did last week. And some people want to argue that, so then I had to bring out all the facts and the stats and the data, and there were still people who argued it. There were still people. I got some guy who sent me a message goes, you lied in that episode. There was no data. And I, I wrote all the data down in my response, and he was like, "All right, like, like like nobody can dispute that he should be sitting in the two hole every single week." What did you think about that before we jump into the pitching?
2: You know what? I think yeah, I, I was looking at that, but I t- did the eye test on that. And when Moncada is batting second, he does have a brio behind him, and it helps him. And when he drops it, drops a little farther in the lineup, he has he has a little trouble. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't know. I, to, as a team, they think they're just playing a little better, which is nice to see. And the important thing is they're playing better because the players we want to see get better are do, are doing better. Well, that's the most important thing. And Those four thing, or five players that. that are, that are going to be on
0: this team in three years from now, those are the players you want to have. Well, Rick Hahn said that this week. He was on MLB Network, and he did say that. He said, we're happy that the guys that we expect to be part of this rebuild are the guys that are driving it. Because if we end up 500 and it's because of guys that aren't going to be here, it doesn't mean anything. If we end up 10 games under 500 and the guys who are going to be here, although contributed so greatly to the team, that's even better even if the, oh, if the record's bad. You know, I think everybody was frustrated, especially at the beginning of the season. I was, you were, everybody I knew was, about how the rebuild did not take off and take the next step that I think we all thought it should have taken in this offseason. But it is what it is right now, you know, and with Aloy now coming back and with the, like you and I have said, the four Major League Baseball players that I'm excited to see on this team, I really hope that they don't do something crazy and discount James McCann. Do you think James McCann's for real? Because this is a big argument right now in the White Sox community. Is he for real because he never had a season like this, but he's 28 years old and he's such a plus as your defensive catcher? For him, if he dropped hundred points in his batting average, he'd still be worth it. There,
2: wouldn't he? there are players who get better as they as they get older. And twenty eight years old isn't
0: old. All right. He he should keep it. Well that's catch. in the medium though. You see, that's the problem. You're thinking the old school. Now everybody's like twenty-four, that's their peak, twenty five sabermetrically. But there's still guys that take a while to get, get going. They're a little later come come down, but when you watch this guy catch, he does he's, he's so much
2: better defensively, a uh, catcher than we've had in a long time. I, I, you know, we haven't had a, a solid defensive catcher since Przinsky to can match up with McCann right now. I mean, I, I mean, this guy he handles. Well, so he, like, he frames
0: pitches incredibly well. Frames the pitchers. Arrange the pitches, right? I mean, maybe he's not the greatest framer. Like, I'm sure there's other guys that are better at framing. But for what the White Sox have had, this is, right, this to is, this is great for what to watch. What they
2: had behind the plate, it's been terrible. Right. And 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 you're getting you're getting I'm getting a sense that they're going to find that this guy should be on a team for a couple years. Now maybe they should sign him, even bring up their young guys. But this guy should be around here when these young guys come up here. He can teach them things. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement.
0: Socks in the basement. And after Dan and I discussed how much James McCann means to this team right now in front of a live crowd of White Sox fans on the patio on a beautiful night last Thursday night in Evergreen Park, Ricky Renteria basically split McCann and Castillo almost right down the middle ever since then. In fact, last night, Tuesday night, Castillo not only starts, but he bats fourth. So after McCann does well in the fourth spot, he moves him out of there and he won't move him back in, but he'll drop Alonzo down a couple spots for Castillo. Both of those guys, by the way, Wellington Castillo and Yonder Alonso still hitting under 190. It seriously makes my head hurt. I don't understand it. Remember when Ozzie Guillen used to accept emails about what the lineup should be? I really wish all White Sox managers would do that. Meanwhile, let's take it back out to the Red Palm. Again, it was a beautiful night last Thursday night. Island Attitude, Local Latitude, I want to thank them for having us out there on their patio. They do those turtle races each and every Thursday night. They seem to be doing something every night. They're a 2 a.m. bar. That's a great place to go if you're a Southsider heading back to that neck of the woods there and you're looking for a place post game. The food is nuts. They're a nice bar, they got a great tap selection. And they have an incredible chef who's opened up multiple restaurants. And I'm sorry if this hurts anybody's feelings, but they make the best wings I've ever had. It's probably because they're buying them fresh that day, and then they're cooking them in a wood-fire oven like you would do a wood-fire pizza, but that's what they're cooking their food in. We're heading back to the Red Palm right now. Dad and I are going to talk some pitching. Not much has changed since we sat down in front of the crowd last week. This is Socks in the Basement, found everywhere podcasts can be found, and always at Socksinthebasement.com. Okay, I said I want to talk about pitching, and that's the main thing I want to do before all of a sudden we have another turtle race out here. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. When I asked, like, what night do they want us here, they said we want you here on a Thursday night because we do turtle racing. I'm like, really, really? That's that's what you want to do? So yeah. that's. I, I thought they'd be like little turtles. No, I mean, no, no, are, they're ginormous, master turtles. Big turtles. They're big yeah. turtles. I was surprised by here. that. Yeah, those are ma- those yeah. are master turtles. Okay, so right now it's obvious that Lucas Giolito, something happened. Something great and wonderful and grand has happened and I just want it to continue for the rest of the year. I just want to read the stats off to you, Dad, because I think that this is the kind of stuff that you, you love. You eat this up whenever I start talking about whip. I explained whip to you a few years ago. And now now you're like you're like a you're a whip fiend. You love the the the, the walks plus hits per innings pitch stat. That's that's your thing. One of these days I'm gonna teach you about FIP and you're it's gonna blow your mind. But we're just gonna stick with the whip, which is simple. Okay, so looking at Giolito to date his whip is a 1.18. Over the last 30 days, under one person on base per inning.
2: That's pretty good for a starting That's pitcher. That's insane. That's closer
0: stats. Yes. That's what a closer does. A That's good closer good. does that. That's what he's doing right now. They, they had him on on a TV interview last week, and it was also on MLB Network. We, met, we mentioned Hans. They had Lucas on, and they were showing video with him there to analyze it. He used to start his pitches with his arms straight back. So as he went into his windup, Players were able to see the ball and the grip of the ball behind his back as he was going into his, so he'd bring the ball back as he's starting, so now it's exposed to the hitter, and then it's coming over, and he went outside of the organization to get this fixed. This was not fixed by the White Sox, which again, does it surprise you that one guy, the one pitcher that figured it out... (laughs) No, it wasn't the same. And I love Cooper. I love Coop, you know but I, I, I feel like he's falling behind in the times a little bit on some of his stuff. I'm surprised that, that you're telling me that. He, he, he went outside of the organization. He went to an old pitching coach that works for a different MLB organization at this time. And he called him up and he said, you know, you're always giving me advice. Uh, it's not working for me. In the offseason, he goes, I need you to tell me what to do. And the guy had him like using these weights for like a week or two. And he didn't understand this exercise he was doing every day with these weights. So when he finally started throwing a ball again, his arm naturally went into a right angle instead of straight back, which left the ball concealed behind his body until it comes out, basically, of his hand. So he's bringing it up, and the batter gets a lot less time to see the ball coming out of the hand, and he said he hasn't lost any velocity, any control. In fact, it's made him more confident on the mound, and the results are right here. We're seeing it. We're seeing those results with that pitcher. You know, If you would have told me Lucas Giolito would have just been a a five-starter on this team of the future... I would have said thank you very much because I wasn't even sure if that was the case. But he's pitching right now. Like if he if this season continues anywhere close to where it is, he's a massive piece.
2: Right. It you know what? It, it the pitching staff has kind of been decimated with Tommy John injury and it's sort of like we've got a Tommy John injury. I mean, that's all over baseball, though. That's all over baseball. But I mean, it's hit our hit our team hard. I mean, everybody gets a player. A team gets a player. How many players we got right now out with Tommy John injury?
0: You tell me what you think of this theory, because it's it's another it's another Chris crack crackpot theory. All I ever hear now, you get all these sports doctors. They'll sit there and they'll tell you that the reason that Tommy John surgeries are so prevalent is the way these kids are used with their travel leagues. And their arms are burned out when they're young. And they're they're putting too much wear on them. And they're learning pitches at too young of an age. And so then they end up with Tommy John. You would think then, when you're a scout, you also have a column that says, hey, when we looked into this guy, he started throwing curveballs when he was 10. You know what I'm saying? Like, we talked today and he bragged about how he taught him how to throw a slider at 10 years old. You might not want to draft too many guys like that because they're prime Instances for Tommy John because of how much they, or he played in three travel leagues. He played he played 12 months out of the year since he was eight years old. And Dad's puffing his chest out. Maybe the scouts sit there and come back and say, "Hey, this guy's arm's gonna fall off by the time he's 25."
2: Yes, a couple days ago I heard a, a, there were some comments by uh, Frank Thomas and Ozzy and They were talking after the game, and, and Frank Thomas says that the uh, two seam fastball, which is a which a lot of pitchers use, he says that pitch was developed by Greg Maddox who threw that pitch at about 88 miles an hour. Right. He's, and, and what you have now is you have these guys throwing that two-seam fastball at 95, 96 miles an hour. And it creates more torque on your arm and your elbow to throw that pitch, a two-seam fastball. That's another good point. So he said that some of these pitchers, they need to slow that down. If they're going to you throw a two-seam, you have, to, you have to slow it down. But, but then me, the pitcher- same thing Gian said. Yeah, it was funny, Gien said, if you're a pitcher and you say, yeah,
0: I got an 88-mile-an-hour fastball, nobody's going to sign you. That is true. But then again, you have to find the happy medium of the guy that pitches at the at what you want in the pitch, but he's not relying on that pitch then. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like when you're a scout, you know what the guy's good at and what the guy's bad at. You know what pitches he relies on. You should know that if you're a scout. When you're sitting in a game, you've got a notebook. You're writing down like, okay, he throws this much of this, he throws this much of this. They, these things should be like warning signs. And I, I don't blame the White Sox for the injuries per se. Every team experiences them. There are all kinds of big time prospects around Major League Baseball that are getting Tommy John or coming off of Tommy John or probably going to be getting Tommy John by the end of the year. Okay, we've been hit with a bad string here, but on the other hand you can't fill up your entire organization with the guys who, let's say, have a much greater chance of Tommy John. There has to be warning signs like started pitching too young, uses this pitch a certain way. Like there should be certain columns or check marks. You can't have like your entire team hinging on guys that are all really likely to get Tommy John surgery, and I don't know because I'm not a White Sox scout whether or not they look for that and whether or not they feel like the organization has too many guys like that.
2: I think when you're drafting, when you're you're looking at a player, injury does come into come into account. You're probably looking at a guy and say, does this guy had any injuries? In, during his college years, as he had injuries back when he was a high school player, they look for that. But now, they, if the guy's got a clean slate coming through, they figure, well, he's 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 good. He's good to go. And, and then when they get here, they go into minor league system. They, and all of a sudden, they, they pop that they pop that tendon. Right. Or they come up here, and they or they or they throw a certain. Or pitch they at, get excited, they or the they, they, right. And right now, I mean, it's it's uh, our pitching staff. Where starting pitchers have been pretty much decimated. I mean, right. I mean, Dylan Cease is going to come up here, but that's but not they're holding be, him back. not going to be would, until you, July. What would you rush him up here? No, for right why this what's the why would you do him? that? What's the, what's the rush on him? But I mean, it's they. I mean, it's kind of like tonight. Kobe's pitching. I saw it. It's one to one. Yet you know, they're playing Toronto at about the fifth inning or whatever in this game. He's not doing a bad job, but you
0: know, but he's not what you're looking for as your. Everyday starting pitcher
2: in that rotation. Well, I think
0: I think what the White Sox are going to benefit is when they play. I think they're figuring out how to be in games and win games against weak teams. And then, but when we see the big teams coming in and playing them, like the good teams, you may get swept or you're going to lose three out of four. Or I mean, that's that's pretty much what's going to happen. The Red Sox, the Yankees, the Astros—they're going to—they're going to beat the tar out of you because you just can't keep up with them unless you get a guy like Leo pitching on a day when he's in there or Reynaldo Lopez. Now, Reynaldo Lopez over the last thirty days has been a pitcher. This is Now, he's a streaky pitcher, because and he was like that last year, too. He'd have a couple of bad months, he'd have a couple of good months. So, like, overall right now, Reynaldo Lopez is the only other guy you're really kind of staring at as a White Sox fan and saying, okay, well, how's he doing? Because right now the debate is, does he end up in the bullpen eventually, or does he end up being being an actual piece starting-wise? He's got almost Juan Mania numbers in terms of his whip, uh, it, it, which you know how much I hate him. Uh, not as a person, as a baseball player. As a person, he's probably a beautiful man. He's got a one point five six. He's putting on a, a, a player and a half every inning. One point five six that he's putting well, on for the season. I, I've, I've but seen those of those
2: players and a half get on base when he's pitching
0: too. Right. But over the over the last thirty, he's dropped that now to a very reasonable one point two one, which is really good for a starting pitcher. I always say one point three oh is kind of like my border. When I play fantasy baseball, you got if you're if you got a whip that's one point three oh or higher. I try to keep you off my team because at some point you're going to have some stinkers that's going to cost me some games because you're not consistent enough. I like those guys that have those low whips; they're far more consistent. He's done that over the last thirty games, but do you do you see him as a person that's sitting down watching games oh, right yeah, now? yeah, yeah. you do do think it. he's going to be a guy? Oh, I
2: think he. I think I think there's. So a you have more faith name. in him than I do.
0: I do. I think he. I think he, L-
2: Lopez will be a pretty good pitcher down there. Really. Down. Yeah, I think he can. I think he can do it one way or the other. I think he's going to be in that lineup. I mean, they get they're going to need five pitchers, and they're going to have trouble bringing getting five
0: next year. He'll be still in that. He'll still, well, in he'll that still group. be in there. But I just and like, I, I wonder just, is he going to be the, Is he going to be good? Is he going to be a guy when it's finally time? That's what I I'm think
2: that he could. That he's going to have a chance to be there. Really? Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, I
0: mean, he needs to figure some things out. Yeah. He does seem to do a little bit better when he's got James McCann behind the plate. Okay. Yeah, he does. He does seem to do that. It does. I, you know, it the, works problem out is, that way. the problem is, the problem is, that it seems as though the the manager right now tries something new, it works, and then he goes, "Yeah, but I can't get my boy in the lineup." So right. then all of a sudden. Then all of a sudden he goes back to what he was doing. I mean, Yonder Alonso is still sitting in the four spot now. They got him out of there for a month. It was it was great, or for like two weeks it was great. Now he's he's being he's being just force fed back into the four spot. You
2: know, it, because he's
0: a lefty. These
2: the these some people look at this like this whip stuff, and they say, "What is that?" You know, they they don't the but, walks and hits per innings pitch. I No, but right. But I mean, when I was a kid, yeah. I mean, the, what I always looked at was hits innings pitched. Right. All right. Hits innings pitched, and it and was it never failed. If you had a pitcher, hits and walks. If you had a pitcher that put, right. If right. you had a pitcher that pitched two hundred innings and only gave up one hundred and sixty hits, guess what? He was a winning pitcher. Right. There's no doubt about it. Right. Right. So these these number these whip numbers and so forth. Those are important things. And for for the for uh, for what the guy looks like, you it's the numbers. The numbers don't lie to it.
0: Hey, this is Acoustic Mike from Broadcast Basement, and you're listening to Socks in the Basement with Chris and his buddy Dave. I did the Broadcast Basement with Chris for 10 years and nobody gave me a show. I'd leave if I had anything else to do with my life. Remember, the Broadcast Basement is available everywhere podcasts can be found and always at broadcastbasement.com. The Loop Sports had a great article that came out this week. Steve Parodzinski, and I've never met him, I hope I'm saying his name right, wrote an awesome article questioning why the White Sox have yet to trim the fat on their roster and kind of begging for them to do it, which is something we've said on this show for several weeks now. And I love that somebody else is getting on board with this idea. I mean, he probably had the same idea the time we were talking about it, but it's, it's down on paper now or on the interwebs. There are guys on this team that really aren't part of the final equation. Wellington Castillo, Yonder Alonso, two guys not really contributing. Ivan Nova. Ah, I mean, there's other options. And he goes through a lot of different names from Danny Mendick to bringing Daniel Polka back, possibly elevating Zach Collins now instead of later, giving a guy like Jimmy Lambert, who we had on this show just a few weeks ago, a chance bring him straight from double A to the majors. Definitely worth the read. Another guy who writes for the Loop Sports and also is part of Future Sox, James Fox. We're hoping to have him on as early as next week to talk about what the White Sox are going to do at that number three spot in the upcoming MLB draft. But for now, we go back to the Red Palm on a beautiful night. Me and my dad, because Dave was puking somewhere. Guy's always sick whenever I got something cool planned. For over 40 years of friendship. The red palm at 3020 West 95th Street. Island attitude. Local latitude. And a turtle race brewing. Like, like Aaron Bummer. Completely oh. different pitcher to who wow. sure
2: he I saw him pitch the other day, and I said, "Who is this guy?" Yeah, he's
0: insane right now. Yeah, I mean, and he, s- he, yeah. him coming up is absolutely insane. Aaron Bummer's putting on less than half a guy per inning. I mean, he's he, he when throwing, guy, a guy gets on every uh, every every two innings. He's throwing lasers. there. my insane. gosh, it's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. Ba- batters are hitting sixty seven against Aaron Bummer right yeah, now. Yeah, he, he comes in it. Well, they have the. It's like they have the bullpen. They're building a bullpen.
2: But maybe they, they got to get starters still. Well, that's
0: their big problem, you know, and that's the thing. But I mean, I, I don't think I would go out and get a guy like Dallas Keuchel. There's still this pipe dream to no. some Sox fans. They have to go get him. I don't see the. I don't. I never liked him in the off season, so I'm not going to go get him out of desperation now. I didn't like him as a starter for the money that he wants in the off season, so I'm not going and getting him now. What, what, what do you What do you think on this? Jump ahead. Okay. If the Sox are hanging around this record right
2: now, sit, right, right around five hundred, they're right around five hundred. All right. Come or, come around uh, the
0: time when the trade deadline. Are they buyers? You're a buyer if you can keep the guy for a couple of years. That's what I mean. That's you what mean, I would they, be. I'd be a buyer. I go buy somebody. There? I go buy somebody. Right. I what would. Heck, I go buy somebody yeah. because you know. They remember you. Remember you got Freddie Garcia in 2004 at a trade deadline deal. That, remember? That's that?
2: that's what I'm saying.
0: And you they, you went and acquired when him when when, when, when people up. were still. You know, you went and got him in '04 as a trade deadline deal, and then he turns around and he is the right. rock in your rotation for the entire 05 and then he was he was the guy who went out there and like you just knew when he had the ball in the postseason sweaty Freddie was gonna get it done you know he he, he was gonna go out there he's gonna sweat 20 pounds off himself while he was out there pitching and he was he was gonna get it done that year I wouldn't be a
2: bit surprised to come come around that time that's a couple of those prospects right down in the minor leagues go for a go for a pitcher with at a two, some three point you got to move
0: on from a guy now Hans seems shell-shocked because of the Tatis thing He actually brought that up in several different interviews over the last couple of weeks, saying, you know, we've learned our lesson from that, and that's why we don't want to move on from these guys just arbitrarily unless it's the right deal. But it's almost like he's shell-shocked because of the Tatis thing. Like, he's nervous he's going to now trade another prospect who turns out to be great. In the end, that's a rarity that that happens. I don't blame him for, for Tatis going to San Diego. I don't blame him for that. I think what they acquired for him was a terrible player in James Shields. I didn't think that was a good deal. But if they would have acquired a better player who now was no longer on the team and Tatis comes along and he's spectacular at short and he would have been another one of our big prospects coming up this year, that still, that wouldn't bother me. It, it doesn't bother me because at the time, you don't know how these guys are going to turn out.
2: Well, if you can buy a piece for your team that will be there for the next three years. who cares years. what the other guy does? Yes. You, you know... One player's worth two prospects.
0: Right. I could trade two prospects away that right now are the guys that get mentioned. If I was going to get myself I mean, it a starting be pitcher, it'd, be a, it'd have to be a starting pitcher. Right. A starting okay? pitcher. That's or it'd have, it have to be a guy who's young, controllable, and plays the outfield really well. Because I, even though we have this glut of outfielders, I mean, Mike Rodolfo, he gets through about a month and a half of minor league baseball every year, and then he's out for the year. I mean, I, I don't know when he's ever going to get here. And, and you know, I mean, Robert looks good, but it wouldn't hurt to have another guy that can hit. We're going to have on James Fox from Future Sox and the Loop Sports coming up in either the next week or the week after that. We're going to start talking. We're going to talk with him about the draft that's coming up. What the White Sox right now seem to be going between, at least at this time, is whether or not they want to go get a young hitter. I'm not even going to go with the names with you. I'm just going to tell you what they are. Okay? They're talking about either a first baseman who's short. He's our size. He's 5'10". 5'10", 5'11", somewhere in there. Okay? And he hits a ton. He grades out like with power and an actual hitting, and he doesn't lose his power when he's hitting. He actually is really steady, and all scouts say he's going to hit. I don't know what else he's going to do, but he's going to hit. He runs like he's got a piano on his back, but he hits a ton. He's a first baseman or DH or could possibly play third base for you down the line if you wanted him to. That's the first one, college ball player. The other guy that they're looking at is a shortstop. I always like shortstops because they're athletic. But again, doesn't grade out in terms of the hitting as well, but grades out in other areas. If you're this team right now just listening to the descriptions of the players, what do you think they would probably want to go out and grab? A lot of people think can't miss hit or can't run. Or the guy at the more skilled position in the center. Because you can move shortstops to second. You can move shortstops to third. You can move shortstops to the outfield. You, you can move this guy to the outfield.
2: You're always looking for a hitter. But with that and with that being said, your left fielder... Looks to me like three, four years down the he's line. He's a first baseman. He's going to be your DH.
0: Your <laughs> DH.
2: You don't look like He you. looks like he's going to be a big man. He's going to look like I, I feel down I the. I think road, he's going to be a big guy. He's going to be the yeah. next big pappy from uh, Boston. You think he's going oh, to be a big boy. Yeah, he's going to be a big so. boy. I think so. Yeah,
0: and he he don't move well now. Well, he's but well, he, he don't move well now out in the field. He won't rounds. have to move well if he's sitting three yeah, well, home well, I just and to start. Kyle didn't move well, and he, I just he, wanted to start doing that. Okay. We're going to do one more turtle race here. It Looks like they're right. setting up. I think this was good. Sat out here. Yeah, you know, had some beers on the on the deck. Talk you. You know Zaks. what? This
2: is a nice place. I've been I've been here before. I've yeah. I've I've been here yeah. a few the times. The wings are the best thing. Wings the wings were, were, the the wings, are the were
0: thing. wings were excellent. They, they they put them in the um they got the brick oven and they put them in there. And you don't even want sauce on them. They bring them out with, like, the grilled onions on top of them, and the wings are put in the brick oven, like, where you would yeah. cook a pizza. They cook basically everything there, and they've got a great chef. Guys open up several restaurants, and he's local, and he's like, I'm going to start cooking here at the Red Palm, which is awesome. Mike Nix is over here. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing, I'm doing great, You're doing Chris. great. You have a great place over here. Before you start, I just want to talk a little bit about your place, because, first of all, I love the fact that we're here we are on the south side, but I, I feel like um, I'm on an island if I squint. And I don't notice the and I don't notice the streetlights out there. I'm on an island right now. We just just the just the way to kinda of, like you got the you got the tiki fence, you got turtles out here, you got I don't know, people that look like they're drinking drinking uh, drinking beers and out, out in the good weather. How do you guys like this weather tonight? We haven't heard much from the crowd tonight. Yeah, and you have a light up palm tree. So it seems like that's what you're going for. Is that what you're going for, Mike? You've never seen an electric palm tree on 95th Street <laughs> no. before, have you? No, you have not. I don't think there'll ever be one again. But I hope this one stays here for a long time. I was telling my dad about the wings as being a, just a great item here when you come in here and eat. What, what else? Give me one more thing that if somebody comes in here to the Red Palm, besides the fact that Thursday nights you're doing the turtle racing, something else that you, you guys are super proud of here.
1: Well, we're really proud of our pizzas. Uh, our Actually, our whole menu. We cook our whole menu out of uh, the wood-fired oven. Uh, All our sandwiches, I'll take our tacos and put them up against any taco place. Yeah. Our tacos are, you know, we use beef tenderloin for our beef tacos. We do a beef, a chicken, and a shrimp taco. Uh, and our taco flight, and our pizzas, our, everything's made from scratch. We make our own salsas, we make our own sauces, make everything, and Chef Mario does a great job,
0: yeah, and it's a reasonable place to walk into. It's you know uh, you y- you come in, you're getting good food, I think, at a really reasonable price, and you're getting a great just a great scene out here, and the people here seem to be having a great time. The evergreen park folk are are just are just a good people, okay, and they're having a they're having a blast out here. See that's how you suck up to a crowd. That's professional sucking up, right there, Mike. That's professional sucking up. All right. Well, we appreciate you having us out here at the Palm. We hope to be back again sometime. And and we definitely uh, I can't wait to see whether or not that one turtle that keeps sitting in the center actually moves. I got my money on him. <laughs> somebody get that. Somebody get that turtle like a coffee. Like that, wake that turtle up. Well, we just hit him with LASIKs for this
1: race, so we'll see what happens.
2: Another show is wrapped up. Another show's in the books. Another show is wrapped up. And then by the looks, it's going to be a good one. And we'll see you next week. And the nudist baseman. And the nudist baseman. Another show is wrapped up. Another show is wrapped up, another show is wrapped up, and it's in the books. Another show is wrapped up, another show is wrapped up, and by the looks, it's going to be a good one. L'Nudie's <laughs> L- Basement, broadcast basement. L'Nudie's Basement, the Broad Basement. Slancha. That
1: was like Dropkick Murphy's or something, right? I felt like it. All right, the turtles are loaded. Hopefully, you're loaded. And Woo! remember, the more you cheer, there's no pointing, there's no stopping feet. They're not dogs. But the louder you cheer, the faster they run. All right, we're, it looks like we're going to get a clean start. And they're off. And they're off. Turtle number two, He's driving squeaky. to the fire. Look at flight. this, It's anybody's race. Turtle number one, making a move. <laughs> Turtle number two, have oh, you yeah, ever yeah. seen such speed? There's He's go all the way. Wait, wait, here comes five. Anybody, two, five, two, five, two. Oh, there you go. Here
2: comes the streak.
1: Two, five,
0: Look two. Oh, that turtle was close. over the line. I've never found turtle racing to be as exciting as I did right there. Socks in the Basement. <laughs> Heard everywhere podcasts
1: can be found. And always on Socksinthebasement.com.